Blog Talk Radio. Services, 
the wonderful people in the, the first line of COVID, the doctors and nurses, and especially those people that clean up afterwards. And those in the, in the supermarket to keep the you know, shelves uh, stocked for us. We appreciate every one of you and everything that you do. Um, since we had our last program, and lost, uh, I lost a good friend. Uh, some idiot in Philadelphia decided he could, wasn't making enough money in his pizza shop, so he set it on fire at 2 o'clock in the morning. Engine 28 rolled on it. Uh, they were in the, in the basement uh, putting out the fire when the, the walls and the, the ceiling fell in on them. And there were five firefighters down there. Four of them were they were able to extricate, but they weren't able to save uh, Lieutenant Sean Williams. Uh, Sean was a 27-year veteran of the Philadelphia Fire Department. His family and his department and brothers and sisters, we, we wish you the very best. We're very sorry for your loss. And then down in Virginia, there was a young lady who was an instructor uh, at the fire academy who was teaching uh, uh, water safety programs. And unfortunately, she was in a uh, fast war move uh, with a uh, rigid side of the whole boat. was thrown from the boat, hit her head, and uh, succumbed. That's uh, Alicia Monahan. So the, those families, uh, we send our deepest regrets, uh, our deepest sympathies, and our thoughts. You're always being in our prayers. So, guys, it's uh, good to have everybody back. See, good to see you, Caden, and Mr. Bob. Hello again. Um, it was a uh, it was a good uh, good two week uh, uh, hiatus we were off. Just so everyone knows. Uh, our numbers uh, over the 4th of July weekend uh, plummet. Nobody's listening. And so we took an extra week's vacation on top of that so that uh, Sharon and I could visit our grandchildren up in uh, Jacksonville. But it was a wonderful time. Uh, uh, and just so everybody knows, Bobby and Bella are doing very well. And uh, Bobby's about to start school. So uh, look out. God, here he comes. Uh, this is going to be a... Uh, He's a tremendous student, and uh, uh, so his, his sister is a Hellraiser. She's going to be, when she starts, she'll be principal, I'm sure. Okay. So, uh, well, Caden, what did you think of the Misha Tate's fight today? Um, well, I mean, I was, I was, I was more impressed with, um, you know, because uh, Misha Tate, you know, she got, you know, she got she got her ass kicked in in, in this uh, her, mm-hmm. her latest outing today at uh, at 2 p.m. Um, I I did not catch the entire fight, but I did see maybe you know, a couple of minutes of it because when I was watching with um, with you pops, I was uh, but from what I saw, you know, she was landing every single combination and really wearing her down and backing up against the fence and and getting a lot of points. <laughs> And that's how she end up end up winning it, end up winning in in uh, decision. But the fight that that um that really sparked my attention the most is um, Li Jing Liang. Um, you know, some people might remember him as you know the guy that that just got beat by uh, Hamza Chimaev, and that's that was actually the first time I ever saw him fight um, uh, live was was when he fought Hamza. Um, and you know everybody knows how that ends generally end well for him. And this was his last fight since then. And he really proved that you know he does deserve 
that that spot in the top ten of the UFC. Went in there and and just and just sparked one here, just sparked him and knocked him out clean, um, and proves once again that he is an elite boxer, and still no one, you know, nothing to be messed with in that in that division. And I think that was that was truly uh, Hamzat's you know o- opening fight or introduction fight into the into the UFC. That was his first you know tough fight, top ten fight. And since he, since he lost that, he got bumped down to number fourteen. And <clears throat> you, you see you see guys like Hamzat go in and and beat Li Jingliang, and and you know you see him beat him so easily, and it it kind of gives you the the impression that oh, you know this guy is you know he's not the best fighter, doesn't really deserve his spot at the top ten. But then you see him mm-hmm. do that, and you realize wow. Okay, he's a good fighter, but I'm mm-hmm. such an amazing fighter, you know. And mm-hmm. it, it shows the difference between top ten and top five. There's a massive difference, especially in that division, with all the um, probably the toughest top fives in in the UFC. And you know, I, I can't I I can't really wait. I can't wait until his next fight. Hopefully, he can get bumped up back into. Uh, it's a better ranking. You know, maybe, maybe he can, maybe he can even squeak his way into the the top five. Hopefully, you know, I have, I have big hopes for Li, Li Jingliang. Uh, and who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe somewhere, um, some sometime along the line, he might even touch UFC gold. Do I doubt it? Yes. Um, just because of the way that that division is set up right now, you know, Usman, Covington, just just all the all all the biggest names in the sport right now are in that division. And, and I wish him the best. Bob, what you think? <clears throat> yeah, um, Jangalang, Jangalang. Uh, he he's he's not to be underestimated. He he's a good fighter. He's been there. Um, but again, that that is a stacked uh, uh, stacked division. Um, but um, yeah. So and then. Uh, I had to look up. I, you know, I didn't see it all today. The whole UFC, but you're right. I, I looked up the uh, uh, the fight between my girl Misha Tate and uh, Lauren Murphy, and and Lauren Murphy made Misha Tate look like she was, I don't know, trying to put uh, makeup on in the car because there was stuff all over that girl's face. You know, I mean, she was all blood. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, Lauren Murphy was uh, um, taking it to her. Um, also in that uh, on today's card, um, the Amanda uh, Lemos going against Michelle Waterston, the, the women's straw week co-main event. That was really good. Those are two tough chicks, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that Amanda Lemos, I mean, went got her right down <clears throat> in round two for a, a submission. And then uh, the main main card um, was Brian Ortega with Rier Rodriguez. It was really bizarre i mean ortega is a beast uh he kind of he come out but he's known for his jiu-jitsu and his uh chin um Gary rodriguez was just smacking him down with the right hand and ortega was taking it uh he closed the distance threw Gary rodriguez to the ground did a little bit of grappling gear tried a, uh, an arm bar uh ortega pulled out of it but dislocated his shoulder couldn't continue uh four minutes into round one just Dislocated his whole shoulder by pulling his arm out, uh, laid back on the mat, just kind of laid there in pain. Year didn't 
really know what happened until he sat up and saw Ortega laying on the mat, and he jumped up for the win. So that's you never want to see anyone get hurt like that, but that's part of the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is gonna be um, this is gonna be uh, Brian Ortega's third sh- uh, shoulder uh, surgery. So yeah. that, I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna still have the same spark in his punches after this. Um, yeah, just, just hopefully he can come back from that injury safe, you know. Yeah. Hey, see, you're a, you're more of the, the technician. What what you think? What you thought on that one? Can he come back after three three surgeries? Sounds to me like, uh, um, you know, I don't care what pins you put in there. That's not the time to go back into the ring. Well, well, you want to think of it as a pitcher. Think about a pitcher and. After a few surgeries with a pitcher, is this fastball the same? I mean that that's it, it gets down, just gets down to really striking wise. He could get by striking wise. You just have to worry. He really really has to worry about just the, the grappling with that arm because it's yeah. like, I mean it, it surgery repairs it. doesn't make it strong. So he, I mean, he's gonna be, if somebody puts him in that, that arm bar is his weakness. And I mean, you could you could deal with your game around that, but then you open yourself up to something else. You don't get you know you don't let the guy get the arm bar, but then he gets the chest, he gets the choke on. I mean, you, so it, it's I mean that is just it's just the intricate parts that that you worry about because once a guy has that in his head, the, uh, then he fights geared towards that. And that's, you know, yeah. Brian Ortega, I mean, that, you don't want him to gear, fight geared back to his extent. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that might be the case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ty? Hey, first of all, it's great to join you guys. Sorry for my late list. Uh, actually, what Caden said, what Zito said, specifically what Zito said, the first thing I thought was he's going to lose some zip off his fastball. Um, however, Brian Ortega has come into the game more as a submission grappler. In fact, before he uh, knocked out Frankie Edgar, he had literally three submissions in a row in the third round of fights where he might not have won a round. Um, but then he really developed the striking after the loss to Max Holloway. He's come along. He's a really, 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 really tough fighter. Almost impossible to knock out. The problem is, and Zito kind of mentioned it when he talked about the grappling. Yeah, he's going to lose some zip off his fastball. Uh, won't necessarily stop his striking acumen or his flow. But the grappling aspect, Zito mentioned, you know, him being in an arm bar. But that's, it's not even just that. That's obviously if that arm is targeted. But just in grappling, and I, I know Bob could talk to this better than me, just rolling around with guys is easy. Like he popped the shoulder rolling around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kind of like we always say, like get knocked out, like get injury. Once the body is susceptible, once the body experiences a certain type of trauma, it's more susceptible to that type of trauma. Hence, he's had three surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, from a standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, this allows Yar Rodriguez to be a fresh challenger for Volkanovski. Had Ortega won, it was too soon for him to get a rematch, and there was really nobody else at featherweight for Volkanovski to fight. And at the same time, because of it being an injury stoppage, it's not going to 
it's not going to diminish uh, Brian Ortega in the rankings. He came in as, as number two or three. He's still going to be that high. Uh, you know, again, you know, just I, the big thing is just hoping he re- rehabilitates, recovers, and, you know, could come back, uh, you know, a, a similar version of what he was. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bob, uh, while we were off, uh, we did watch uh, the demise of Cowboy Cerrone and the immediate uh, retirement. What, what, what happened there? Yeah, he was pretty much planning to retire, win or lose. Um, I would have liked to see him go out on a win. Uh, I got to watch his fight. Um, you know, he, he didn't he didn't do all that hot. But, again, it, it, the years you put on uh, – you know, like all the all the boxers and, 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 and the kickboxers and stuff. When when you've been in the sport 10, 15 years, you start taking a beat. You know what I mean? You can't raise a car forever without, you know, uh, uh, wearing out some parts. So over time, just like we were talking with Ortega's, you know, arm getting to the point where it pops out, like the Diaz brothers with their scar tissue – uh, you know, Cowboy Cerrone's proved himself. He's done. He's not going to get any better. Um, he's getting up there in age. So, yeah, I, I, he's had a, a, a glorious career. Um, definitely, I, I assume that he'll make the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, he put his, his definite mark on the UFC. So, congratulations uh, to Cowboy, and you'll be missed. Okay. Hey, Kate, what do you, th- what do you think of uh, Alex Falkonowski's uh, last outing? You know, I was I was I was really pulling for uh, Max Holloway in that fight, and uh, you know, I, I in in the second fight, I truly believe that um, that Max Holloway won the second fight, but you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the judges thought differently, and um, mm-hmm. when it when it came to the last fight, you know, you just saw, I, Volkanovski was was fighting out of his mind. Um, and, and Holloway was was not fighting like he usually does. It was it was very weird to see um, Max Holloway kind of get you know dominated and and fully controlled in a fight. And you look on his past fights and you see how he's such a controlling fighter and such a devastating fighter, such a you know a uh, all over you you know throwing 400 punches um, in in three rounds type of fighter come out there and put an outing out like that. And, um, you know, it, 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 um, it actually, I wouldn't say it shocked me because everybody knows how good Max Holloway, I mean, um, Alexander Volkanovsky is. And with that fight, with how, how well he did that fight, I think that we can bump Kamaru Usman out of the number one pound, pound spot and replace him with, with Alexander Volkanovsky. I mean, he just he just put the beat down on, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, featherweights of all time. And Holloway's not out of his prime yet. You know, he's still he's still in his younger years. Yeah, I mean, you saw in that when he fought Yair Rodriguez and when he fought Calvin Qatar. You know, he was he looks amazing in those fights. Except Alexander Volkanovski is his kryptonite, and. uh I think he, I think Volk is everybody's script tonight. You know, I, I think it's time for him to move up and maybe try to try to get double, uh, double champ and, and fight Oliveira. I think that's, I think Oliveira is the only wow. right now that can put on a great fight for for Volkanovski. I think he should move up and fight and fight um, Oliveira. 
Okay. I don't know if anybody uh, had a chance to see it today, but they announced the uh, the award winner for the ESPY next week for uh, UFC, and it uh, was Charles Oliveira. Uh, so they, that'll be uh, he'll be getting that award next week. Oh yeah, I saw Ty, that for fighter of the year. Ty, I got to come to you on this one. You're the, you're the historian. Um, Vasily Lomachenko has been off for a while fighting for his country. Now he says he's ready to come back, and he wants to come back by October. Is that possible? Uh, you know what? I, I read it, and I, I don't believe he would have put it out there if it wasn't something that he physically felt he could do. Um, and I think as far as the possibility of it, it's just a matter of uh, the right matchup, the right venue, things of that nature. It's really just going to come down to logistics. Um, the fact of the matter is, is you know, he's, he's been a ticket seller for ESPN. He's one of uh, Bob Arum and Top Rank's big fish. Um, and, and, you know, he's one of the best fighters in the history of the game. Um, and so, yeah, you know, he when he wants to come back, if he's physically and mentally ready to come back, it will absolutely happen once the logistics are worked out. Um, can they be worked out by October? Well, he kind of let that be known, you know, like last week. So there is a chance we're still three months away. And, you know, we don't know if he just wants to tune up, fight, sharpen up, or if he wants to jump right back in a shark tank. His career would tell you that he would just jump right back in a shark tank. But these are unusual circumstances that he's just been through. So we'll have to wait and see. But absolutely possible that that could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. If that was to, if that was to happen, who would you think would be his uh... – his opponent, they'd want to put him up against. It, 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 um, it really kind of depends where he wants to be at. Uh, as Ty mentioned, uh, if he wants to go right into the shark tank, well, then he's going to have to fight one of the young beasts, to be honest. And you have guys at his weight division that's kind of ready for him. Um, there's a possibility maybe with a rematch with a Lopez, with Terrafino, uh, I mean, Campbosis uh, is out there. I mean, maybe Devin mm-hmm. Haynes, you never know. Um, but, mm-hmm. I mean, me personally, I mean, the guy, you know, he, he's going through more than boxing. So I, I think really just, you know, my advice is just to get his name out there. Now, age plays a factor, but, uh, as, as you know, Ty said, these are unusual circumstances. So you might want to just, you know, get get your legs wet, get your feet wet right now. So we'll see. If, if, he, wants, if he wants to jump back into the shark tank, then don't be surprised if, if Bob Arum and Top Rank and ESPN somehow try to swerve that mandatory rematch uh, for Devin Haney against Combosis. Devin Haney won the title in Australia. There was a mandatory rematch. Uh, in Australia, Cambosis has activated the clause, but it, it wasn't the most exciting fight um, mm-hmm. per Bob Arum, and not only that, it wasn't a, a particularly close fight. So, you know, it was a convincing kind of routine win. And so Bob Arum, who was the promoter and who has options on Devin Haney, uh, you know, one of the main promoters, and obviously with his platform being ESPN, has options on Devin Haney, um, as soon as the fight happened, he was like, I don't think anybody wants to see a rematch. So I could see if Lomachenko wants to step into the shark tank, 
than top ranking ESPN, maybe trying to work out a step aside deal with Cambosis. If Lomachenko wants to get his sea legs back, then they'll have that Cambosis rematch with Lomachenko facing the winner. Uh, remember, Devin Haney was with the zone and Eddie Hearn, but to fight Cambosis, he had to have uh, he had to give an option to top rank in ESPN for two fights. So, the, mm-hmm. yeah, so so it's, it, it's really going to come down to what Lomachenko wants to do and then the logistics of business. Yeah, because Lomachenko can get a fight, I mean, by October. That's not a problem. Promotion, I mean, nope. just, I mean, just, a, just any competitor, yeah, that wouldn't be the problem. Okay. All right, Bob. What do you think about um, even though he's been off for a while? What do you think Adesanya is going to do in this next? Uh, I mean, he still thinks he's champ. Who will he use his next opponent? Adesanya. Yes. Or okay, um, yeah, because he just fought Whitaker, correct? And. Um, or no, uh, he fought Jared Connick, uh, Cannier. And uh, um, I, I think that's why we had to take a couple weeks off because uh, Caden needed to catch up on his crow or something. I, I can't remember um, who, who he was going for in that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Izzy came out and did Izzy's thing, man. I mean, he just got that style about him. I mean, Canier, uh, uh he's got the power. He had the conditioning, all that. Just uh, Izzy's just got that, that style. So who's next for him, man? I don't know. Uh, I, I guess another Whitaker rematch. Uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, I can't tell Pajeda's right now. He's kinda... uh, uh, Pajeda is, is definitely next. The oh, guy okay. that knocked him out in kickboxing. Yeah, that's definitely up. Okay. Because he just knocked out Strickland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Paida isn't he working his way up to? He's not even uh, ranked yet, is he? Oh yeah, yeah he, he just knocked out number three. Yeah, he knocked out number three. Yeah. Oh, he, three. He yeah. Ah, okay. And, and Dana White nice. pretty much said that the winner of that fight was was going to get a title shot. Period. Okay. Um, nice. And obviously, he was trying to fast track Alex Paheda. Pohatan is his nickname. Trying to fast track Paheda. Yeah. Because of the the two matches and you know kickboxing and the promotional heat, you know how they do. Right, right, yeah. Because because he once upon a time ago uh, beat him in K one or something. But yeah, that guy's a good fighter too. So it'll be it'll be interesting. So that'll be a good fight to to line them up with. That'll be good. Okay. Hey, Caden, uh, John Jones called out uh, Smith. Um, Who's going to uh, who's gonna win that? Yeah, uh, yeah, um, well, John Jones has to has to actually like I don't even know if he's eligible to fight yet. He can call out as many people as he wants. You know, he just needs to get eligible to fight. Now, would would John would uh oh, Stepan Miocic be a good rebound fight for him? Yeah. Um, is that a win? Of course. Um, but Stipe is not a walkover fight, and he's definitely not a tune-up fight. You know, this is this is a guy who's if if Daniel Cormier, it, how I feel, if Daniel Cormier wasn't uh, alive, I feel like Stepan Miocic would be the greatest heavyweight 
in UFC history. Um, and it's not like he lost that long ago to um, to Francis Ngannou. Uh, it's not like he lost that. You know, so not like he lost his title that long ago. So it's not like he hasn't been champ for for a long time. And if John Jones comes back, beats beats uh, Stefe, if, if that is the person he ends up fighting, whether he wants to go heavyweight or light heavyweight, I doubt he'll go light heavyweight. I've only heard him talking about fighting a heavyweight. Um, but he can definitely make a return. I I I, I would love to see John Jones in in the octagon again. That's he's probably probably my favorite MMA fighter of all time. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, how that fight, how I see that fight going down is 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 probably John Jones will probably get the better of him, and it, it'll be John Jones' returning fight. So I'm not expecting him to have you know all the spark that 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 he usually does and all the flair that he usually has during most of his fights. Mm-hmm. But you never know with him. You know he's he he can be on and he can be off, but you know he's usually on. So if if he is if he does show up to show up like like old John Jones, then he's just gonna go in there and he's gonna destroy Stipe Miocic. But let's say he doesn't, and um, it's it's gonna be a long fight for him because Stepe's got a chin on him, and he can also fight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think that. Uh, well, I think that um, with that, there are two things. Stipe, he's 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 not. On, now he's not past it by any means, but he's also not on the uphill. To be honest, he's not he's not going uphill with his career. He, he's 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 peaked. I think I think he's past his peak slightly. Um, that is because he, you know he's just older. I mean, Steve Hayes, he's he's older guy, but heavyweights they can function older. John Jones, to me, has lost the best years of his career to himself, and. He's moving up, and his immediate fight would be against the champ. That I mean, I, I, I mean, past slightly past his prime or not. First of all, I don't think Jones even deserves that. But we know how the promotion goes, and we know he has that name. Uh, but mm-hmm. honestly, I, I don't see it competitive if they fight at this moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, he's he's definitely calling out Stevie because uh, Nagano's not available. Uh, he's got an injury, you know. Jones, you know, whether he's on the roster or not, Dana will put him right back in the top fight, top spot against the top guy. Uh, but Nagano's a champion right now, and he's not available for a fight. John Jones says, you know, uh, uh, he wants to come back, you know, in the next couple months. Uh, Nagano's out with an injury, so Stevie Miocic is the next, uh, the most decorated. Uh, in the UFC division right now, uh, was uh, champ not too long ago. So, of course, he's hyping that up to make the money. Uh, you know, everyone wants to see John Jones return, but that's his only only option at this point. Okay. Uh, Ty, we've got a big one tonight. Uh, Danny Garcia against uh, Jose uh, Benavides. Uh, what's your thoughts? Now, Danny Garcia, Jose Benavides is next week. Um, and I like Danny Garcia uh, big in that fight. Uh, Benavidez could trouble him, but anybody who knows anything about Jose Benavidez knows a few years ago he was shot in the leg, and the leg never fully recovered. Uh, we saw him fight Terrence Crawford. He gave Terrence Crawford trouble throughout the fight, 
uh, got knocked out in the in the twelfth round. But you're watching that fight, and you're watching a guy who's essentially fighting with one limber leg and and, and one peg leg. His leg is almost mm-hmm. it looked stiff, didn't it, Zito? Um, so he he hadn't fought in a while, Benavidez. Then he came back. Uh, didn't look too good. So no, I like Danny Garcia to beat him. Uh, the other thing too is the fights at 154. Both guys have come up from 140 throughout their career, so there's no size advantage. It's, it, you know, I just I, Benavidez, you know, he he ran the streets a little bit and wasted some of his career doing that. Then, you know, he had that unfortunate shooting incident, which he actually wasn't doing anything incorrectly when he got shot. Um, but now nah, he he just is not gonna he's not gonna do well. Uh, in that fight tonight, what we have is Ryan Garcia versus Javier Fortuna, and uh, that fight, you know, Ryan Garcia has been campaigning at 135, but he's been off for a while. So that fight's at 140. Javier Fortuna's best weight was at 126. So Javier mm-hmm. Fortuna is, is is he's tricky. He, you know, he's seasoned. He's 33 years old. Uh, he's only been knocked out once in his three losses, you know what I mean? 33 fights. He's got 26 knockouts himself. But he's just completely outgunned. And this is kind of what you see, and, and, and I always speak to this. Zito and I saw it on a, a Tiberi card. What you see is a young, up-and-coming prospect fighting an old veteran contender coming up a weight class or two. Now, Fortuna has competed at 135. He just lost a fight to Jojo Diaz not so long ago, who himself came up from 126. So Ryan Garcia is younger. He's bigger than these guys. He started his career at 135. He's probably going to eventually go into a welterweight. This is Javier Fortuna at 33 years old. He actually looked kind of, you know, like he, he, he made the weight, and he looked, he looked in shape like I'm in shape. You know what I mean? Like he just looked like a guy who goes to the gym as opposed to a guy who's ready to fight. So that's him trying to make 140. So uh, in both cases, you got to like both Garcia guys, Danny and Ryan, in their uh, respective fights, uh, big, you know, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Although I believe Danny could have a little bit more trouble. Okay. Right, we've got here's one for you, Zeke. Uh, we got two older guys coming back in, Deontay Wilder and Robert Hellenius. They all of a sudden want to fight on, uh, I guess it's an exhibition on the Ken 2. What's your thoughts? First thought is an exhibition. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be my thoughts too. Yeah, these, these yeah. guys are, are, are like, I mean, worthy of, of, of you know, highlighting cards. I mean, this, you know, forget an exhibition. This, mm-hmm. this is record. Um, with that said, I would like to see that fight. I would like—I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know the outcome, but I would—I would like to see the fight. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the—I would like to see Deontay Wilder get back in. Uh, I, I mean, as I say, Deontay Wilder—he's not the most technical guy, but he is exciting to watch. <laughs> and I mean, he is exciting to watch, and you, you can't blink. Can't blink for a heavyweight, and you can't blink. Oh man. So, I mean, and I think that, you know, is more than likely going to happen. But Alinius, I mean, he's, he's not a dumb fighter, and he has a punch, too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just dimension-wise. I mean, he, you know, Wilder, I think, is slightly bigger. 
uh, has the reach, and he, he he plays keep away a little better. Plays keep away a little better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ty, what do you think about Adrian Broner coming back with uh, Omar Figueroa in uh, uh, August 20th? I'm, I'm really looking forward to that fight. Uh, it's, it's been a while since Adrian Broder has fought, and he said he's, he's you know, he's gonna, he's gonna look to to stop Figueroa. They're fighting at 140 pounds. Uh, here's the thing, though, right? You know, to stop somebody, you, you gotta throw punches. And one thing about Figueroa, unless you physically neuter him then he's going to stay busy and in your face. Yes, you're going to hit him, but you got to really physically neuter him. The only guy I saw that was Ordonis Ugas. And part of the problem was Figueroa should not have been fighting at 147. Figueroa is a 140-pound fighter. He and his brother, Brandon Figueroa, who, who just won a fight last weekend, those guys are phenomenal, but Brandon's always been considered the guy with the higher upside primarily because he's more disciplined. And in Omar Figueroa's career, it showed up because he was having trouble making weight. Eventually moves up to 147, has a blowout over uh, Robert Garcia, who was well past it at that date. Uh, not Robert Garcia, Robert Guerrero, who was well past it at that date. And, then he, you know, subsequently gets into the ring with Odonis Ugas, and he gets wiped out. Ugas was just too big and too technical and neutered him. Adrian Broner is not that. He is not that big, and he is not that diverse. He, he, he fights one way, in burst occasionally. And Omar Figueroa, if, if, if Broner can't neuter him, which I don't see him doing, and then being off two years, which means your timing's typically a little off, takes a little while to get going. Yo, man, he's going to go ahead and get touched on, I mean, for 12 rounds. He's, he's, I, I, he's not going to get beat up because he's going to shell up eventually. Yeah. And, and Figueroa's just going to, you know, he's going to work him over for 12 rounds. Boner will have his moments where he'll look good, you know, cause, because he is talented but he's not a committed enough. And I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about he's not committed enough offense in a fight to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to beat a guy like Figueroa unless he can seriously hurt him and neuter him, which uh, I don't see him doing. He's never, okay. he's never had that kind of power above 135. Broner yeah. mm-hmm. is what I like to call a highlight fighter where everything that he has to do has to be a highlight. If he jabs, everything has to be perfect and, you know, action. And, he has, you know, he, he's a he's a pot shot fighter. He's a camera fighter to where he knows the basics. He's good at the basics. But he gets in the ring and he applies Hollywood almost. Like, he has, it's all flashing back, even with his punches. Everything has to be kind of show showmanship type thing instead of the effect thing. Um, and Figueroa is sort of opposite to where he's going to go in there and he's going to move like he's an inside fighter for one thing. Broner ha- hasn't shown the propensity of fighting a a good inside fighter, should I say? Um, 
I mean, like a guy like maybe a, a Lucas Batista or somebody, you know, older, you know, that's different. But a guy like, you know, Madonna and, you know, Sean Porter, it's going to remind me of those fights lighter but clean, cleaner. Like, Bona's not going to get balled like, like, you know, Madonna did, and he's not just going to get bullied like Porter did. It's just going to be inside, and it's going to be kind of clean because Figueroa throws educated punches on the inside. He's very, very diverse on the inside. He, I mean, I'm going to say when he's comfortable, he's more diverse than Madonna and Porter. Well, definitely Porter as far as his technical ability on the inside. Figueroa is... When he's comfortable, he, he he's pretty darn good on the inside, and he's going to be comfortable against Broner. He's going to be comfortable because mm-hmm. Broner's going to be only looking for the highlight. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's just I don't like that matchup. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, uh, Bob, what do you think of uh, Sean O'Malley's? Uh, um, he's not too happy about getting KO'd by. Uh, um, what was it? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, Sean Strickland. I'm sorry, Sean Strickland uh, was upset by his KO by Alex Pereira. What do you think of that? Yeah, he he took to Twitter real quick. Um, he was upset about it. I mean, the only thing he said that uh, uh, um, you know that he didn't want to be you know someone's highlight reel. You know, you never want to be that as a as a fighter. You're on someone else's highlight reel. But yeah, it was a quick right. KO. Um, you know, he thought, you know, that he was doing real well in the, in the fight and picking his shots and then boom, he was, you know, waking up and I've done that waking up in the dressing room. Um, so yeah, he, he gave credit to him and the, you know, he's getting, uh, cause he said he'd be sad for a little while, but yeah, everyone's bummed out, uh, the night of their fight, you know what I mean? Uh, especially when you're expecting a W. Right. Right. What do you think, Katie? Yeah, I hear some people calling that fight an upset. And, you know, if you look at it from ranking standpoint, yes, you know, it was an upset and unranked guy going in there and beating number three, or was he number four? I, I, I don't remember. He was one of those two, I think. Um, but, oh, yeah, I mean, on paper, yeah, sure, it's, a, it's an upset. But really think about it. Yeah, he was fighting Alex Prieta, a world champion kickboxer, Who's not truly an underranked? I mean, an unranked fighter. The only reason he was unranked is he was only unranked in the UFC. You know, and you see the same thing with um, same thing happened with Izzy. You know, it only took like well, like three fights for Izzy to 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 um, get a shot at the uh, UFC title. Some guys have mm-hmm. you know been in the UFC for years and had a ton of fights and never gotten an offer. But it's because of their background outside of the UFC. Uh-huh. You know, both of these guys are world champion fighters. And, you know, he goes in there and, you know, it's it's going to be a very tough fight. You know, he's just, – just look at the guys. You're a massive, uh, lengthy Brazilian kickboxer. And, mm-hmm. and Sean Strickland is – you know, his, his, he likes to go up there, he likes to stand up, he likes to keep his head out there. You can't do that with guys who, who, who will take your head out. Um, certainly can't do that with Izzy. And you 100% can't do that with, with uh, Alex, I mean, Alex Pereira. And uh, we saw that that night, you know, he, he left his, um, 
left his head open for a beautiful three-piece combo to, to drop him down. And <laughs> that was it. Good night, good night. Mm-hmm. And that's all you see when, when, when you have mm-hmm. superior striking. I mean, when you when you land your, your, your kicks and your punches all flush and all fully 100% landed on, on the right spot, uh, you can you, know, you can really do, do a number on someone, especially in the first round, you know. Uh, that was it was honestly I wasn't I was I wasn't too surprised by it, and I don't think he should have uh, hung his head as low as as he did. You know, is you know, that happens? You lose. That's that's just a part of being a fighter, a part of the sport. And I'm sure mm-hmm. he'll get over it and rebound in no time. Mm-hmm. You know what? Real right. quick, I want to uh, to to speak on what Caden said. Um, I, I actually I want to paraphrase something Caden said. Hell no, it wasn't an upset. It was a set up. Big difference. Ever since Pajeda came into the UFC, Dana White has been salivating over this the dream title rematch between in the UFC between Israel Adesanya and his arch nemesis who's defeated him twice. The only guy to knock him out in combat sports. Alexander Pajeda. That's why he was matched with Sean Strickland. I read an article just yesterday with Robert Whitaker in MMA Junkie where Whitaker said, you know, he's a pretty good fighter, but yes, I am very surprised how he was fast-tracked to the title. Speaking of Robert Whitaker, Robert Whitaker, who has been perennially the number one ranked guy behind Israel Adesanya since Adesanya took the belt from him. He has been the second-best guy in the division. Pajeda didn't have to fight Whitaker. Whitaker's fighting Marvin Vittori. Pajeda didn't have to fight Marvin Vittori. Pajeda didn't have to fight Derek Brunson, and I don't think Derek Brunson is on uh, – uh, 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 he's not on a Robert Whitaker level. But the reason why I say that is he fought Sean Strickland, number four-ranked guy who was on, like, the six-fight winning streak. Uh, and in those six fights, he had like five decisions where he was basically beating guys with pressure and a jab. wasn't taking guys down. He was beating guys with pressure and a jab. And, and you know what? He's, he's got pretty good eyes in the pocket, just sliding out of range and then coming back with his jab. Now, he wasn't knocking anybody out, and he always stands up. He's not the guy who's going to take you down, not since he's moved to middleweight. So do you match? So if I'm Dana White, do I match him with Robert Whitaker, where Pajeda needs an upset? Do I match him with Derek Brunson, who's a wrestler, where Pajeda may need an upset? Or do I match him with the number fourth like striker, who hasn't finished anybody in like two years? That's who you match him with if you want him to fight Izzy. Not upset, set up. Very smart matchmaking to get him to the ultimate goal they wanted. That's kind of what makes, uh, all jokes aside, right, that's what makes Dana White and UFC brass so brilliant. They, that's the matchup the public is going to want to see, especially Izzy's defenses to a lot of people have been lackluster. So that's the matchup they want to see. Dana White put this guy against certain, didn't put him against guys who were going to take him down. One guy took him down a couple times, but he got up and didn't show pretty good takedown defense. But he didn't put him against a wrestler because you don't want to, risk that chance. But he fought a credible number top five guy in Sean Strickland. But just like Caden, Caden saw exactly what we all saw. 
not really upset. It was kind of to be expected. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let, me you, let me ask you this then. Uh, moving back to boxing, uh, Connor Ben and uh, Chris Eubank uh, in October. What, what do you think that will be successful there? Sorry. I'm kind of disgusted <laughs> with Chris Eubank. Uh, I mean, I know their fathers had a legendary rivalry, but the fact of the matter is Conor Ben is a welterweight fighter, and Chris Eubank uh, is a middleweight fighter who's fought and won, uh, you know, a, a trinket at 168. And he, he's going to meet Conor Ben at like 156. So I, 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 I don't like the fight um, at all. Uh, part of the reason why mm-hmm. is, is these aren't two guys who are past their prime, who are looking to make a dollar. These aren't two up-and-coming prospects with uh, this tremendous beef looking to make a dollar. And with, with these are two guys, two contenders in their prime. So I'd, I'd rather see the guys fight towards championships than to – take time out of their schedules uh, to rehash a, a rivalry that their fathers had uh, two decades, three decades ago. Uh, yeah, I'm just not feeling that at all. If they were the same weight, cool, cool, but they're not. So I'm not feeling that at all, man. I Like when I read it was being bantied about, I was like, please, God, no. And then when I read, oh, it's close to being done for October, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Because I like both guys. And, you know, the ceiling, I think, isn't elite for both guys, but both guys put up good fights, man. They're in tear-ups. And this is just, it. yeah, I'm not I'm not happy about this at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ty, Azito? Um, one weight division gets me thinking Andre Ward against Chad Dawson. Two-weight division gets me thinking Jose Zito Lopez against Victor Ortiz. Um, you have a guy who's fought at 168 fighting a guy who's about to 147. That kind of who's fought as the entire thing it has been successful at 168. Is fighting a guy so you're doing dealing essentially with 21 pound weight. Mm-hmm. I I I I mean that I guess they're trying to meet in the middle, but I mean, is there a clause to where you know, um, Eubank can't gain but so many pounds before you know you know? I mean, how's this going to work? Because now I mean, if if all things are boxingly considered, if Eubank can come to the ring when when what he normally weighs when he comes to the ring, that's not mm-hmm. cool. That's not really fair. So I mean, we're, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I, the logistics. I mean, guys fighting each other in different ways. Which we have that. We have success with that. But uh, some this is going a little too far right now with it for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Kate. I guess the, the last thing on my list here is uh, Charles Oliveira uh, versus uh, Islam. Uh, how you say it? Markevich. Uh, for, uh, UFC. Okay. Um, yeah, I, that, that, that's like our books. 
that fight got booked? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's kind so of. It's on the UFC um, 280 in the Dubai. Oh, um, well, I mean, I, I, I had no idea just until now. Um, you're the first person telling me that. Um, that's, that's kind of, uh, it's kind of, I wouldn't say disappointing, but it's kind of like doesn't really make that that much sense because. Islam Makachev is coming off of a win against Bobby Green. Why should he get a shot at, at, at Charles Oliveira if he's coming off of a, a fight against Bobby Green? Does he does he deserve a a um, a title shot in the future? Yes, of course, obviously. Um, does he does he deserve one now from what he from from what should have been his title earning fight? No, you you don't fight an unranked guy. And then get a title shot. That shouldn't be how it mm-hmm. works. But I guess it's how it works this time. And um, I'm I'm gonna stick with my guy Charles Oliveira on this. You know, even uh, okay. even though Islam Makachev is the you know quote unquote next Habib is being trained by Habib. Basically, this is this is Habib's um uh like like holy, uh, uh, holy grail. You know, like. He's his, he's his um he's his, he's his head trainer, his head coach. He's he's, by, he's behind the whole the whole uh, thing the whole thing behind Islam Makachev mm-hmm. and you know those those guys from um Tajikistan and Dagestan and and all those places you know Chechnya. Something about those people, something in their genes that just makes them godlike wrestlers. I don't know what. But Habib's from mm-hmm. there, Islam's from there. Um, uh, Hamza Probably I don't know living, living in there. the mountains of war torn countries. Yeah, <laughs> makes them just tougher than all yeah. the rest of the people mm-hmm. yeah. in the middle of the Caucasus <laughs> mountains. Yeah. Just God up like in the mountain of a war torn country, <laughs> toughest person mm-hmm. on earth. Oh yeah, and um, he's got to fight off the toughest people on planet Earth. Yeah. But I mean, is 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 Makachev an amazing wrestler? Yes, but the the problem with wrestling is you need to you you need to get them to the ground, and when you're fighting someone like Charles Oliveira, the ground is the most dangerous thing yep. ever. And um, he has he has the most submissions in in UFC history, and yep. even you saw it in his last fight against Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje would knock him down. And refuse mm. to get on top of him for the ground and pound. The only way. But the problem the is, Islam's going to get on top of him. And that's the proper Islam. That's the proper Islam. Islam want to get on top of him. And that's the proper Islam. That's the proper Islam. He wants to wrestle. That's all he knows. That's all he knows is wrestling. And if he gets him to the ground, um, that is that, that'll probably be. That's what that's that's a match to see. That that's like. That's like the closest we'll ever get to Oliveira v. Um, uh, Magomedov, you know. And uh, it's, it's it's definitely going to be a very entertaining fight. But I do feel like if if they're on the ground for long enough, Oliveira is going to do what Oliveira does and submit him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also think if they're on the feet long enough, Oliveira is going to do what <laughs> Oliveira does and knock him out. Oh, yeah. uh, I just I don't I like I love Islam and I'm going to be rooting for Islam. Why? Because I root for the guys that come from 
that lived in the mountains of war and torn countries. I always root for those guys. I'm, I'm, I'm those guys' guy. Uh, however, oh, yeah. um, Khabib is Khabib has a more explosive shot than Islam. Um, Khabib also has a better chin than Islam. Um, and here's the thing: we saw Khabib get caught in a in a guillotine by Dustin Poirier that was pretty tight. And again, Khabib has a better shot. Now they say that 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 Islam is better because he's more technical and yada yada yada. I, I'm with. I am completely, completely with Katie, in which I can see Islam taking him down here and there. But I can see Islam getting caught on one of those entries in the guillotine, or I can see Islam struggling to take him down, or Oliveira getting back up or whatever. And then Oliveira knocking him out. Like I, I, I see Oliveira stoppage. I, I, I don't put it past Islam to be able to close the distance and kind of smother him for for five rounds because I do believe Charles Oliveira is going to have a very difficult time working off his back against Islam, uh, specifically when they get sweaty. And the reason being is because the one thing that those Dagestani and, and, and mountainous war-torn wrestlers show you is that they prioritize position over submission. And so they don't throw themselves out of position. They grapevine the legs and keep your ass up under them and will ride you out and wear your tank out. So once Islam kind of gets on top of them, he's not going to be super easy to catch. Not that if anybody can, Oliveira can, but he's not going to be the easiest to catch from behind. But boy, oh boy, I do eventually see Oliveira potentially catching him in an entry with a guillotine. So I, I, I'm, I'm in complete. Actually, I really don't think I'm talking to Caden. I think I'm talking to Caden's brother Ty because you sound just like Ty today, sir. Thank you. You sound like a Ty. Yeah. Yep. Now, what's that? What's your but, famous um, saying? You never lose a game if there's a tie in it. Could never lose. Yeah, you could never lose with a tie. So I always say, you could never lose if it's a tie. Um, now, if 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 Oliveira submits Islam Makhachev, when do we start talking about who's the greatest of all time for lightweight? You know, because Oliveira, if he submits Makhachev, I think he's in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bob. Bob, I think Caden poses a a great question because of what everyone thinks it could be. But I ain't just going to throw BJ Penn in the trash just because of how his career ended when we talk about the greatest lightweights of all. Yeah. You can keep BJ Penn out of the conversation. Yeah, I can't just do that. But you know what? Oliveira will have as many, if he submits Islam, he will have as many defenses as, well, not technically, right, because he missed weight, but we know he'll have as many defenses as Habib with as many finishes in those title defenses. So you make, and having beaten two of the three of Khabib's defenses. So you make a very good point, Um, Caden. Like, it, it will definitely be discussed. It will absolutely be discussed. Mm-hmm. You guys, that brings us right to the end of our hour here. I don't want to hold you guys there. I know 
Uh, you guys have been working hard today, so uh, I appreciate everything you, you've done here tonight. Uh, Bob, uh, uh, continued success out there with uh, the, uh, the wonderful uh, weather and everything that you got out there. Zito, I, I appreciate every time you come on because I know you work very hard during the day, and uh, I can hear it in your voice that you're very tired when you come on, but, boy, you do still do a hell of a job. The tie, you've always, uh, always been there for us, uh, no matter what, uh, whether it's the show or anything else. And Caden, you're my man. You know that. You're always there. So, uh, thank you. Bob, you want to lead us out? Yeah, guys, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Ty, you know, and everybody helping us out and uh, uh, talking us through all the. Uh, you bring such an energy to the show. It, ma- it makes it awesome. So, uh, Caden, thank you as well. Frank, thanks for always giving me a shout. And uh, God bless our fans this week. Uh, everyone, keep your uh, chins down and eyes up. Okay. See? Uh, another wonderful show. It's great to be back with you guys. I want to thank you, Bob, Caden, Ty, and you, Butch. These shows definitely in memory of Bob, Coach Mel, Dr. Chris. And if you want to hear any fighting words, please do call. Hey, you know, it's funny. That was really <laughs> fast. Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> That was a quick show, though, so I'm like, it's really quick. <laughs> I'm horrible. Uh, but always great being on. Caden, Bob, Zito, uh, Butch. The whole team was back except Tony, Miss Tony, so we want to send a shout-out to Tony. And, of course, BioSolar, right? Got to shout-out BioSolar. Uh, but thanks, everyone, for being here. Have a good week. Coach Mel, uh, Coach Mel is watching over us. Bob is our co-pilot. Dr. Chris keeps us laughing. Everyone enjoy and be well. Katie? Yeah, I think it was another another amazing show. You know, back from being gone for two weeks, you know, it feels good to be back on the show. And uh, I think everybody did a great job. Tony, we miss you tonight. Hopefully we'll see you on next week. And hope everybody has a great night. I'll see you all later. Bye. I was remiss when I opened the this, this show. Uh, today is the 25th anniversary of the graduation from uh, of uh, – uh, Lance uh, Panarella from the uh, dental school. Uh, I just looked at a picture this morning of uh, Lance and his dad and, and, the, uh, and the dean of the uh, dental school. <coughs> Excuse me. And you could, you could just tell the, the beaming in uh, Chris's face was coming through. So so good. It was uh, uh, it's good. So. Lance, uh, congratulations on your 25th uh, anniversary. I know you have a great practice, and uh, you certainly have great parents. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, men and women police and fire services. When you're out there to see somebody in uniform, please give them a pretty chance. Uh, just not everybody's as bad as some guys are. The, the bad guys are the ones that get all the, the publicity. Um, there's guys out there working very hard and ladies out there working very hard to keep all of us safe. Um, these programs are dedicated to those who died, lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, uh, Patrolman Jeffrey Yasmin, Sergeant Thomas Batinger, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hemner, Sergeant Mike Dumsarcer, Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Sarpa Springs Police Officer Charlie Condit, 
Deputy Chief Mike Galvin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Chris Levesque, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman and Officer Chris from Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Deputy Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Plakis, Wilmington Fire Department. <coughs> Excuse me, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief Al Hall, Longwood Key Police Department. And Chief Jamie Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. My brothers and sisters are letting it be 10-7 at this point in time. And sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the board. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the sun shine lightly on your fields. And the rains fall lightly on your fields, the sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hand. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.
1999. County dispatch in 1999. County dispatch in 1999. Four units to be advised, 1999 is responded to his last emergency. May God rest his Thank you. 